I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to, uh, we're going to be looking at two passages. First of all, I'm going to read from Exodus chapter 1, verse 15. Through, verse, through chapters 2, verse 4. So begin reading at Exodus 1, verse 15. And then uh, we'll be looking at Hebrews 11, verse 23. First of all, let's look together. Exodus 1, beginning reading at verse 15. Then the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shiphrah, and the other, Puah, when you serve as midwife to the Hebrew women and see them on the, on the birth stool, if it is a son, you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, you shall, she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but let the male children live. So the king of Egypt called the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this? And let the male children live. The midwife said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwives come to them. So God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and grew very strong. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, Every son that is born to the Hebrews you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter Live, And now 2 verse 1. Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. And when she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with, with a bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the riverbank, and his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. And now if you would uh, turn to Hebrews 11, verse 23, there we read these words, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents, because they saw that the child was beautiful, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Let's pray. Father in heaven, speak to us, O Lord, this morning through your word and through the proclamation of it from this pulpit. We pray that that word may be preached faithfully and boldly and clearly as it ought. And we pray, Lord, that your spirit would go with that word and strengthen your people. Convict us, O Lord. Draw us to yourself. We pray that we may bear fruit to the glory of your name. And so, Lord, we pray your blessing on your word. And we pray that not only here, but wherever your word is faithfully preached this morning. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As we uh, continue through our series through the book of Hebrews, we come here to this uh, just one verse, Hebrews 
11.23 that speaks of the faith of Moses' parents. Amram and Jochebed are their names. We, don't, we didn't read that in the passage that we read, but it, it is uh, given to us uh, later in Exodus. But to make sense of Hebrews, it's good for us to remember why it is written. And uh, again, because uh, we have uh, visitors here who may not have been going through uh, this series, uh, we want to make sure that you have a sense of what's going on. In the very last chapter of Hebrews, the, the, the writer says that he has written this as a word of encouragement. A word of encouragement. That is to, to come alongside uh, Hebrew believers, particularly those who were previously Jews, but who came to faith in Christ, who believed that Jesus was the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy, that he is the Messiah, sent of God. <clears throat> and they were experiencing persecution because of their faith. And they were debilitated Christians. And the writer then writes to encourage them to go on with Christ, did not to turn back. The temptation was to renounce Christ, to go back to Judaism. And the purpose of the book of Hebrews is to say, look at Christ and see Christ in all of his glory. He is the greatest of all. There's none greater than Christ. Why would you go back to shadows when you have the real thing? And, uh, and then he comes to chapter 11. And chapter 11, of course, we know as the, the heroes of the faith, going uh, through a number of Old Testament uh, persons. It's not simply giving us portraits of these heroes of the faith. It's an encouragement. That's why this book is written, to be an encouragement. And it's an encouragement. It's saying, uh, look what faith is able to do. Keep the faith. Look what faith is able to do. Today we begin looking at Moses, although it's not so much Moses as Moses' parents, Amram and Jochebed. If you want to understand Moses, see, and I think it's, it's interesting that the writer of Hebrews didn't just start out with, you know, Moses as a grown man and see Moses' faith, but he brings up the faith of Moses' parents at Moses' birth. And what do they do? I think that's very important. It's very instructive. If you if we want to understand Moses, here's the first thing you need to know. Look at the faith of his parents. The parents, they didn't fall away, even during tough times. They didn't buckle. What legacy? Does such leave to their children? And we're going to go there, by the way, in this message. Uh, the, the great influence parents have toward children. John Calvin says, regarding this passage, in the true spirit of the covenant, whose promises embrace believers with their children, even in infancy, Moses was surrounded by that pure sphere of faith. In infancy, before Moses could even comprehend, yet he was surrounded by that covenant faithfulness of his parents. 
In Psalm 22, the psalmist says, You are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breasts. On you was I cast from my birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. And then in 2 Timothy 1, Paul says to his protege, Timothy, he says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and then in your mother Eunice. In the same vein, we are to see Amram and Jochebed, the parents, the father and mother of Moses. So what do we learn from this? What do we what do we grasp? What is this teaching us? How is this an encouragement? Well, one of the things this is encourages us to do as as we live by faith is that the faithful obey God rather than man. That's the first thing we see here in this passage. The faithful obey God rather than man. The faith of Amram and Jochebed was seen in their refusal to submit to the king's edict. The king's edict was throw every male uh, Hebrew male child into the Nile River. And they refused to submit to the king's edict. Now, we can say, well, it's kind of natural. Parents are going to want to keep their children. They're not going to want to throw their children into the Nile River uh, and drown them. Uh, isn't it natural that parents would protect their sons? And the answer, of course, is yes. Uh, that would most certainly be the case. But the language here indicates that there's more happening. That It is not just because of this paternal or maternal love for their infant child. It is by faith they did this, that, that there was something deeper going on than just a, a, a parental uh, a, a sense of, of protection for their son. By faith, there's, there's an affection deeper than a natural affection that comes out here. In, in a, like, like we have in Exodus chapter 1, where it's described for us with those midwives who they feared God more than they did the king. And so they did not uh, submit to the king's rule for them to kill those male children. It's an affection that is deeper than a natural affection. It is an affection for God and a, uh, a greater fear of God than man. If your Bible is still open in Hebrews 12, verse 27, it says, By faith he, that is Moses, left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. So Moses left Egypt not fearing the king's anger. Where did Moses begin to to learn or begin to feed the fear of God that was greater than the fear of man. Where did that happen? Well, no doubt he heard about what his parents did. We know the story of Moses and how uh, Pharaoh's daughter uh, picked him up out of the Nile River and then she raised him as her own son. But Moses was aware, 
that he was a Hebrew child and he had learned how it is that he was uh, saved from the king's command or edict and he learned to trust in God or to fear God over man from his parents. He learned it from his father and mother, from Amram and Jochebed. And this is something that the faithful know, that the faithful believe and, and rest in. That's always been the case. It was true of Peter. In Acts chapter 4 and 5, where the uh, rulers, the religious rulers, came to arrest Peter, and they said, we told you not to preach. Why are you preaching? And he says, we must obey God rather than man. We must obey God rather than man. The faithful obey God rather than man. It was true for Martin Luther, wasn't it, when he was at the Diet of Worms, and they called upon him to recant. And he spent a night, he said, you know, give me a while. And so he spent a night in his room, and it was a, a very a disturbing night for Martin Luther. But he came back the next day, and he stood before the diet, and he said, I cannot recant. My conscience is captive to the word of God. I must fear God rather than man. So help me, God. And that, brothers and sisters, I think, see, this is good for us. It's, it's a good encouragement to us because it is and will continue, I think, to be a, a real issue in our land, in the United States today and in the future. Are we going to stand? Are we going to obey God rather than man? There's a war out against Christianity, particularly against true Christians, Bible-believing, Christ-embracing Christians. The early Christians, you know, when we read in Acts and in early church history, these early Christians were not out to create a conflict, but... They were living under evil laws, and those evil laws required believers to oppose, at times, the government, and so that they would not bow to Nero. They would not. They obeyed God rather than man. And that must always be the case, and is encouragement, I think, to us. Very similar to this is, is the faithful, secondly, the faithful put truth before consequences. And it, what were the consequences for Amram and Jochebed? Well, the possible consequences were that they would be put in prison, that they would be killed. They risked death, their own death, rather than compromise the truth. What was that truth? Well, that children of believers are holy. The truth is that this little child is made in the image of God. We will not put him to death. The truth that you shall not kill. 
The parents risk death rather than to compromise that truth. Again, that's true always for believers. The faithful put truth before consequences. That was true for Daniel when he was in Babylon. He risked death rather than compromise. And he was thrown in the lion's den, but God protected him. Or his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They wouldn't bow to that big idol. And uh, they risked death rather than compromising what is true. And they were thrown into the fiery furnace, and God protected them. Again, if your Bibles are open, Hebrews 12, 2 and 3. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The faithful will always put truth ahead of the possible consequences. And who are the faithful? They are those who are clinging to the promises of God and to the one whom God sent, Jesus Christ. They are the ones who say, I am not my own. I belong to my faithful Savior. My citizenship is not here. It is in heaven. My treasures are not earthly. They are heavenly. Why? Because I was destined for eternal hell and condemnation. But God in love sent His Son for me. And He died and He shed His blood for me. So that I might be accepted by God. Received by God. So that I would be a child of God, a son, a daughter of God. That is who I am. That's the faithful. And they obey God before man. And they'll put truth before consequences. But I think another thing we can grasp here in this passage is that the faithful understand their influence over others. Others being their children or their neighbors. Moses' parents, they, they risked their lives. And later Moses did the same. For the cause of the kingdom of God. God is pleased. This is important. God is pleased in His sovereign providence and sovereign grace to use the faith of parents to impact the children for His glory and for their salvation. It's not... DNA, it's not something that, that they get by osmosis. But they see their parents' faith. They, they recognize it. They, they, they experience it or they're living in the, the context of it. And God uses that so wonderfully to impact those children for His glory and for their salvation. 
So it's not surprising then that Paul would, would say, fathers, don't exacerbate your children in Ephesians 6 verse 4. But raise them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. That verb, raise them up, has, has more to it. It's, it's not just, you know, um, yeah, raise. It is uh, fondly cherish as they grow. To cherish them. Fondly cherishing them. Caring for, tending them. That's the, that's the idea This is important. Those, those of you who may have young children or may, Lord willing, soon have children in your own home, soon to be parents, listen. Who you are, how you live, how you speak, how you order your priorities, how you love your spouse, that's a big one. How you respond to disappointments. What your attitude is toward worship, that's another big one. Or toward prayer, or toward Bible study. All of these things will profoundly affect and influence your children. Profoundly. Please understand, you can teach your children the purest reformed doctrine till they know it backwards and forwards. But in your raising them, if you're not fondly cherishing and tending them, well, when your children are grown, they will, or may, think that you're just a bag full of hot air. They don't see the connection. They don't see that that glorious, wonderful truth, which we should be teaching our children, by the way, that that has really affected you, you see. And that's what they need to see. They need to see that you cherish the Lord Jesus who gave his life for you. That he is your all in all. And that you're going to obey him before anything else. What we do, what we say, it sends out messages. And the faithful understand their influence. And we have an influence. Amram and Jochebed. Hid three months, Moses, because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. They were faithful to what God had said. Now, we may say, you know, as parents, maybe with children in our homes or those who have children who are raised and out, out of our homes, what a failure I've been in hearing something like this. What a failure. How, man, how have I fallen short of all of this? What do we say to that? 
Well, I remind you of what the psalmist says in Psalm 103, that God does not treat our sins and treat us as our sins deserve. Thanks be to God that that is the case. And there's forgiveness. There's forgiveness. The gospel is able to change us, and the gospel does change us. The gospel changes you. Thanks be to God, that is the case. When we are confronted and when we believe in the Christ who gave his life for you, for me, that's life-changing. That's life-changing. And we respond by saying, Lord, by your grace, I will live as a sacrifice of praise to you. Not looking back, but looking forward. And that's my encouragement to you parents. Not looking back, but looking forward. You can still be a godly influence to your grown children today. Lord, by your grace, I will be a sacrifice of praise to you today. From now on. Paul made that point. Where he says, leaving, leaving the past behind, I press forward. He had a lot to leave behind. He was a persecutor, very possibly a, a murderer of Christians. He was certainly a, a co-conspirator to murder of Christians. He had a lot to leave behind. But Paul said, I'm going to leave that behind. I'm going to press forward. And that's my encouragement, brothers and sisters, to you. The faith of Amram and Jochebed, they put God before man. They trusted in, in, in God more than they, they, and they feared God more than they feared man. They put truth before consequences. They understood their influence. That is true for us all. That is true for us all. We may need to repent. In fact, I'm sure every one of us, of our failures in these matters. But forgetting what is behind, we press forward. God is faithful. God is merciful. God is gracious. Lord, by your grace, I will now, today, and tomorrow, and from now on, live as a sacrifice of praise to you. Amen. Oh, Father in heaven, convict us, O oh Lord, where we need conviction, that we may come humbly before you. Say, Lord, forgive us where we have failed or where we have compromised or where we have been hypocritical. Lord, forgive our sins. Forgive our weaknesses. Forgive our failures. 
In spite of these, O oh Lord, we pray that you would bless our children. Draw them to yourself, we pray. O oh Lord, those who are wandering from you, Lord, we pray that you as that good shepherd would go and grab hold of them and bring them back to the fold. That is the desire of our hearts. And for whatever... Uh, Whatever part that we may have played in that, Lord, forgive us and overrule that, we pray. Draw them to you. And may we yet be witnesses of your great and glorious grace. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.